from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to this Tuesday edition of Washington Watch. Coming up, the midterm elections appear to be turning in favor of the GOP. Now, what issues appear to be behind the shift? Well, certainly the economy is one of them. Even House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says she's trying to change the subject. When I hear people talk about inflation, as I heard them there, we have to change that subject. It's not the fight is not about inflation. It's about the cost of living. I'm not sure that will help. That was uh, Speaker Pelosi on Face the Nation this weekend. There is another issue that Democrats thought was going to be their ticket to victory. Now, it may end up being the issue that helps the GOP take control of Congress. We're going to talk about that later with FRC Action Vice President Brent Kylan. And post-election, especially if the Republicans do take control of Congress, it's going to be very interesting and, frankly, intense, because you'll have a lame duck session of Congress four days after the election. The term of the current IRS commissioner, Charles Reddick, will expire. Now, how will this fit into the mix of issues in that lame duck session of Congress? We're going to talk about that in just a moment with Tennessee Congressman Chuck Fleischman. Also, the National Health Service in the U.K., is hitting the brakes on the rapid rise of transgender treatments for minors. Now, this is interesting. The British Health Service is urging doctors to follow a clinical approach that, quote, reflects evidence that in most cases gender incongruence does not persist into adolescence, end quote. Now, a recent poll here in the U.S. of likely voters shows that nearly 80 percent of Americans agree with such an approach. So that raises the question, why is the U.S. government under the Biden administration and even medical institutions pursuing a policy that has thrown open the door to what is nothing more than medical experimentation on minors? We're going to talk about that today with Dr. Quentin Van Meter. He's the president of the American College of Pediatricians. And there's also another aspect of this that's not being discussed about these treatments. How much do they cost and who's paying for them? You might be surprised. We're going to talk about that with Edmund Heiselmeyer. He is the senior fellow, uh, senior research fellow at the Center for Health and Welfare Policy at the Heritage Foundation. And as I mentioned, we are exactly two weeks from the November 8th election. Early voting is underway in most states. In fact, uh, I voted today just in case, just in case something came up that might keep me from getting to the polls. Now, We have a great resource for you. It's a personalized voter guide. Thousands have already gotten theirs. You can get yours as well. Simply text the word guide, that's G-U-I-D-E, to 67742. That number again, 67742, the word guide. You'll get a link. Follow that link. Put in your address. And you will have, within seconds, a personalized guide to the candidates. And it's free. We have that for you because we want you to vote. And we want you to vote in an informed way. This will uh, look at the candidates from the issues of faith, family, and freedom. Again, text the word guide to 67742 for your free voter guide. Our word for today comes from 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. 
You know, Elijah makes clear there is no middle ground or position of neutrality when it comes to who you're going to serve. You're going to serve the demons represented by the idols, or you're going to serve the one true God. Now, Jesus made the same point in Matthew 12 when he said, He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. You know, we can't follow the prince of this world and the Lord of creation. This is true for individuals and is true for nations. The idea that removing the Christian faith is somehow a position of neutrality and not choosing a side, frankly, is absurd. There is no neutrality when it comes to the truth. To find out more about our Bible reading plan, go to frc.org slash Bible. With the midterm elections just two weeks away, some Democrats have already started to prepare excuses to rationalize any Republican gains in Congress. They have placed unlimited money, unlimited money into these races with unlimited fact, uh, misrepresenting what the reality is. Uh, That again was House. responding to inflation, crime, chaos at the border, and general dissatisfaction with the Biden administration. Of course, speaking of the administration, they're sowing fears that the nation's election security infrastructure is vulnerable, which I find very interesting. Uh, They were dismissive of those claims made in 2020. While no actions can be ruled out from foreign adversaries, why is the administration raising the alarm now? After two years of positioning any criticism of our election process as simply beyond the pale. Well, join me now to discuss this and more is Congressman Chuck Fleisman. He serves on three committees in the House, the House Appropriations Committee, including the Subcommittee on Homeland Security, where he is the ranking member. He represents the 3rd Congressional District of Tennessee. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Tony, great to be with you, sir, and thank you so much every year. It's an honor to receive the award personally from you. Uh, It's a real pleasure. Well, the True Blue Award, which we give to those members of Congress who are true blue uh, in the sense of they stand for faith, family and freedom. And we're grateful for your leadership and your colleagues on the Hill fighting for the things we talk about each and every day. I I want to start, uh, Chuck, with your reaction to the Biden administration warning about election interference. I find that kind of odd that they've been dismissive of those who have raised those issues uh, going back to 2020 goes back to the Biden administration going from arguing the world is round to the world is flat to the world is round again. Um, I really don't understand what they're saying right now, although, Tony, I will say this. We are preparing as Republicans for a big night in the House, a big night in the Senate, a big night in gubernatorial races, local races. We are going to do very well as a party because of the abysmal failures of the Biden-Harris administration. Tony, they have failed us morally. They have failed us politically. They have failed us internationally. Um, They are literally uh, in sheer chaos and hurting this country. The American people will fix it at the ballot box. No more excuses. You know, Nancy Pelosi, I think, kind of cushioning her fall by saying the Republicans are just pouring money into these elections. And and I've actually looked at that. And in most cases, the Democrats have outspent the Republican candidates, certainly on the candidate front. Uh, When you look at third party expenditures, uh, it's still the the Democrats have an edge. 
the parties, the Democrat versus Republican Party, almost even, although slightly, uh, the Democrats have a slight edge. So it's not so much about who's putting the money in. In fact, if you added the, the taxpayer money that the Biden administration is using to bribe voters with the uh, student bailout, student debt bailout, uh, and even, you know, siphoning uh, petroleum out of a strategic reserve to try to artificially keep gas prices down, I would say that the Democrats have the advantage when it comes to money. Uh, so I think it has to be something other than money that's making a difference in the way voters are shifting. Tony, you're absolutely right again. Uh, the Democrats traditionally have had a huge advantage on money. This year, they've got an advantage. It's not as large, but their failed policies time and time again from the inception, from the time that Joe Biden took office, went back to the White House, took out his executive pen and has literally wreaked havoc on the domestic front. It's it's an outrage. And, and you're right. The petroleum reserve situation is something that is a reserve that is there to protect our nation. He's taking precious gallons away to try to deal with his failed energy policies. America has abundant oil, coal and natural gas. We need to reap those benefits. It's a gift from God. It's our natural resources. The Biden administration thwarted that. Now they're trying to do uh, the petroleum reserve. This student loan debt, I don't believe constitutionally that the executive has the right to do that. Biden has abused the executive pen time and time and time again. We need to stand up and stop that. But the American people are wise. Not everyone is as fiscally and socially conservative as I am. Thank God I represent the wonderful people of East Tennessee who love God, love our country, love our troops, love our founding fathers. But people who are even in the center are repulsed by what this administration has done. They've hurt this country domestically. They've hurt us in terms of foreign policy. Our friends don't know where we are. Our foes are taking advantage of us. We've got to fix it on November 8th. Well, and uh, voters are going to have the opportunity to do that. And I want to encourage people to go out and vote your values, vote uh, biblical values when you go into the polls, into the voting booth on November the 8th. And, and, uh, and you know, if you can vote early, go ahead and vote early if you can. Just make sure you vote. Again, folks, you can download a personalized voter guide by texting the word guide to 67742. All right, Congressman Fleischmann, I want to, I want to switch gears for just a moment because uh, I'm going to step beyond the election. We'll see what happens on November the 8th. But good chance we're going to have a lame duck session of Congress where there could be a switch of uh, majorities. And there's going to be a lot of things in that lame duck. I'm very concerned about that lame duck session of Congress. But one of those is the the fact that the IRS commissioner's term expires uh, just four days after the election. That, I think, is going to set up a pretty strong nomination fight, given the fact that all of this money was just given to the IRS to hire 87,000 new employees. What do you think might happen in that lame duck session? Well, I'm, I share your concerns, Tony, on a host of issues, because when the Democrats lose, and they will lose, in that short window of opportunity where they will still have all three branches for a couple of months, they will basically try to do things that they could not do before this time. So I share your concern. Uh, this is what I think about the IRS. The bill that was passed, and I railed against the Democratic majority on the House floor. I challenged them. I said that bill was wrong. Then it's wrong now. We need to reverse that bill. That's ridiculous. 80,000 more IRS agents. I believe in the American taxpayer, not the IRS. Having said that, 
the commissioner should have already had a, a nomination by now. This is something that the executive branch, the president, should put forth. He has not done that. The Senate will have to confirm this person. Uh, and I just don't know why that Joe Biden has not put forth any names. Again, is leaving this country in a very vulnerable situation after they champion the IRS, which I think is ridiculous and outrageous. And of course, when I challenge them on the floor, they actually embrace the IRS over the American taxpayer. Shocking. But uh, we need a nomination. Uh, we need the Senate to sit down and do this. And of course, it will be for a five-year term. And... Uh, uh, this person will respond to actually the secretary of the treasury will answer to that person. Long overdue. Another miscue from Joe Biden. Well, Congressman, we're up against the breaks. So we're going to, have to leave it there, but always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, taking time out to, uh, to join us today. Tony, God bless you and God bless what you're doing for our great country. Uh, thank you, Chuck. Congressman uh, Fleischman of Tennessee. I love Tennessee. It's a great state. And, uh, Love Congressman Fleischman doing a great job on Capitol Hill. By the way, I'm actually hopeful that maybe this uh, dust up, may, maybe it'll be a dust up. I'm, I'm not saying it will be, but because they'll have to go through the confirmation process. And, and I know it only takes 50 votes, so that'll be fairly easy, but could be slowed down a little bit and distract from some of the other issues they could do in a lame duck session of Congress. I, I will. I'm going to talk more about this tomorrow about the lame duck because you need to be prepared. There are some really really bad bills that are teed up for the lame duck session. Okay, um, we're going to talk about this rapid rise of transgender surgeries that's taking place in the United States. Most people are opposed to it, not Joe Biden. That's next. Don't go away. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. 
To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldviews monthly newsletter, visit frc.org slash worldview. Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. The website, TonyPerkins.com. And again, to get your personalized voter guide. You're going to get tired of me saying this, but I want to make sure you get your guide. Text the word guide to 67742. That's 67742. You'll get a personalized voter guide. So important that you make plans now to vote and cast an informed ballot. I talked about this yesterday, but in an interview that was released Sunday, it was done Friday, President Biden said that it is morally wrong to prevent a child from undergoing gender transition surgeries. In some states, I won't get into the politics of it, but in some states, it's just, it's outrageous, and I think it's immoral. The trans part's not immoral. What they're trying to do to trans persons is immoral. Well, according to a recent Trafalgar poll, more than 78 percent of Americans and more than 53 percent of Democrats do not think this type of experimentation should be allowed on children. So do 53 percent of Democrats know they stand in defiance of the leader of their party, that what they do is or what they believe is immoral? Now, the U.K.'s National Health Service, United Kingdom, appears to agree with the majority of American people as it published last week, plans to restrict the treatment of young people under the age of 18 who are questioning their gender. As we uh, are seeing a, a growing pushback against this. Joining me now to, uh, to dis- discuss this is Dr. Quentin Van Meter. He's the president of the American College of Pediatricians. Dr. Van Meter, welcome back to the program. Tony, good to see you. Thank you so much. So it it appears that the American citizens are more in line with the British government on this issue than they are their own government here in the United States. Well, a number of states in this country are aligned with what Britain is doing nationally on on its level of of its government-run health program. It would be the equivalent of the CDC uh, and the Department of uh, Health and Human Services coming out with an edict saying that uh, cease and desist any social, medical, and transition of gender-confused individuals. It's a phase that they're going through. Uh, they will most likely resolve this through the help of significant counseling efforts, uh, and that all the things that have been done previously with social affirmation, something as simple as 
pronouns and name changes and whatnot, something as uh, as significantly medically important as blocking normal healthy puberty uh, and using the, the wrong sex hormones in children, and finally mutilating perfectly healthy normal organs, body organs, to try to create the appearance of the opposite sex. All of those things have been found to be not only beneficial to mental health over the long run, but in some cases actually detrimental to mental health. And if the whole uh, purpose of doing these things is to improve the mental health of these individuals, uh, it is not based on reality or science. Uh, so Britain says no, under no circumstance. Sweden says no, it's not going to happen unless we do it under a very carefully proposed research protocol, which is yet to be developed. <clears throat> Finland is right behind, and France is not far behind Finland in saying that this is an emotional issue that needs to be dealt with with counseling. So we are uh, essentially, we have some very enlightened states in the United States that have come together with uh, laws to protect children from this abusive circumstance. So, Dr. Van, I mean, I want to ask you this. Based on, the U.K. is usually not, I mean, they're kind of, I don't be too broad in general in this statement, but they're usually a little more um, liberal than, than we are. We see what's happening in Europe. So what's this decision based on? Is it based on evidence that they have um, accumulated thus far, or is it the absence of lengthy long-term studies on the implications of uh, the hormone-blocking treatments, puberty delaying, and these surgeries? So which is driving this decision? It's actually both. So the lack of any uh, long-term studies that prove safety um, is, is evident because there are none. There are, there are none in the making. There are none. There are some that are talked about as if they were such kinds of proposals. But in reality, they're sort of a sham kind of a study through an NIH grant, which does not have any control. Uh, it's basically just observing the, the uh, prospects of what goes on in the gender clinics and for gender clinics in the United States in particular. It's not designed to have a control group or even any generalized uh, uh, protocols that each institute follows as part of a very carefully constructed uh, Is that intentional? Uh, Yes, it is. It's it's totally intentional because they already want to essentially get the results they want, and the way they do it is by designing a study that collects things that they want to collect. Not, not, it's, it's in total disregard to scientific method. Um, and so the UK knows this. Uh, and on top of that, the UK has, has just, re, you know, based on their report is based on a very significant review of existing science that looks at whatever benefits have been claimed uh, and whatever harms have been documented. And they have documented harms. Uh, there's just, there's no question about it. And having had this uh, information so carefully done in a very valid way, um, the U.K. government said, I I think we will cease and desist immediately. So how should medical professionals be responding here in the United States based upon the the fact that you've got these competing views, one based on evidence or lack thereof, and the other simply just really appears to be motivated more out of politics than anything else? Well, I think, you know, reason should um, <laughs> should prevail. Uh, it's going to take a while, and I think we're going to have to chip away at some of these things sort of slowly but surely. But the, the wall is beginning to crumble. Uh, the bricks and mortar uh, are not strong enough to resist uh, the invasion of truth. And so uh, we are going to see uh, more and more 
uh, courts kind of listening to the fact that, my gosh, an entire government in Europe, uh, you know, a very progressive nation in Europe has has evaluated this. And maybe we should use that study instead of the hopeful wishes of the uh, gender activists in terms of of setting what standards should be, uh, you know, followed here in the country, in the United States. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. Look, science, you know, it's, it's fascinating how those on the left always promoting science when it says what they want it to say, uh, but not supportive when it undermines their objective and goal. There's a tendency to just dismiss things. Oh, that's a bad study without explaining why it's a bad study. Uh, there is a beautiful, beautiful paper that just is circulating. And now in terms of regard to the the um, the 16 um, studies that Dr. Jack Turbin cited in the Arizona case, uh, next to me, the Arkansas case, uh, yeah. in his in his declaration and to a, to a judge, uh, and we're it, it basically to, tears it apart. Doc, Dr. Van Meter, we're going to have to leave it there. We're up against a break, but we'll continue that conversation another time. Always great to have you on. Stick with us, folks. We're back after this. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15-week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. Washington Watch, thanks for tuning in. Well, we uh, we ran out of time with Dr. Van Meter. We just need more airtime. That's what we need. We need to have a longer program. I, I want to continue this topic because earlier this month, Reuters commissioned a study of health insurance claims that found that 238 double mastectomy procedures were completed on minors in 2019, with a total of 832 gender transition surgeries on minors from 2019 to 2021. Now, we know 
that some doctors in hospitals view such procedures as profitable money makers. Now, we've, uh, we've talked about this before. Uh, now, this doesn't include the puberty blockers and the other treatments. This is just the surgeries. But the question is, who's paying for this? Now, if you have insurance or you pay taxes, there's a good chance that, well, you're picking up the tab. Joining me now to talk about this is Ed Heiselmeyer. He's a senior research fellow at the Heritage Foundation Center for Health Welfare Policy. Ed, welcome to Washington Watch. Thanks for having me. Now, a, a study at Vanderbilt University found that 61.1% of the gender transition surgeries on minors were covered by private health insurance, 16.5% covered by public health insurance, and 15.8% were self-paid. Uh, do those numbers track with what you've seen from the industry? Uh, I'm still trying to get more comprehensive numbers. So, so far, we've seen uh, stories like what you just described in bits and pieces, but I'm still trying to track down more comprehensive. I think that's probably roughly uh, in the ballpark, though. So who who's paying for these treatments? I mean, it appears to be the numbers at least would suggest that the number of these procedures are growing. It's becoming a bigger deal so who's who's paying for these? Yeah, well, basically, private insurance is largely paying for it, uh, as that pointed out. If you look at the U.S. population total, about 330 million Americans, about half of them are in private insurance. Vast majority of that is employer-sponsored plans. The other half are in public programs, uh, Medicaid, CHIP, and Medicare. Now, right off the bat, you've got 65 million senior citizens in Medicare. They're not, a lot of them, getting transition surgery, and certainly they're not getting uh, pediatric transition surgery, so you can take that off the table. Uh, So I suspect it's mainly Medicaid, the the public program. How expensive are these uh, treatments, these surgeries? I mean, are these, uh, you know, these minor? Are they costly? How much do they cost? Well, any kind of surgery is costly. And again, this is an area where we're working to try to get some better data on it because the problem in healthcare, as you probably all know, is the list price is not what people pay, that there is considerable difference between and among payers, and even that varies geographically. So, for example, as a general rule, uh, private insurance will pay better than public programs, but that's not always true. Uh, so, for example, in rural states, Medicaid, they actually reimburse doctors and hospitals pretty well because they're trying to keep the doctors in town. You know, a small town doesn't right. have it. Uh, so, again, this varies all over the map. So that's why we're trying to get our our hands on some more systematic uh I mean, one article, uh, one article report, rather, that I saw on this was that these surgeries, um, and mostly what we're talking about here in the minors are what they call top surgeries. This is the double mastectomies. And, and these, uh, these, the median cost is around $30,000. Uh, that's, that's not cheap. No. So, you know, you, I, I hear reports, and, and I know that tracking the healthcare industry, you hear these as well. You have people that are being denied certain treatments by their private insurance for certain cancer screenings or even medicines uh, to treat certain illnesses. And here we have 
procedures that are being conducted that are not medically necessary and i mean they're literally cutting off healthy body parts i mean how do how do the insurance companies justify this well let's start with a very important thing to understand about what's going on here in the private insurance market uh when you look at private insurance you've got about 150 million americans as i said getting their coverage through an employer plan but 110 million of those are what are called self-insured employer plans. So, for example, my employer, the Heritage Foundation, it's a self-insured plan. So while I have Cigna on the card, that's not who's paying. It's Heritage that's paying. It's the Heritage Foundation that decides the parameters of the plan. They've just hired Cigna to administer it. So the first point is that employers have a lot of discretion. Now, obviously, the Heritage Foundation is not going to pay for that sort of thing. I'm sure your organization's health plan wouldn't pay for that. But if you work for somebody like Google or Microsoft, you know, the name on the insurance card of, you know, Aetna, United Healthcare, they're not really making those decisions. It's the employer that's doing it. And that's important. We've pointed this out for years that many people, and this is before the transgender uh, issue came about, that with abortion, many people don't realize whether their plans do or don't cover abortion. And you've seen that right. post-Dob, you know, post the Dobbs ruling, where companies are stepping up and saying, well, we're going to pay for it. Okay, they make all those decisions regardless and they're using money that would otherwise go to the employees as wages to pay for health care it's a form of compensation employees so in a sense it's your money that your employer the employer is putting it into a health care plan and deciding what is or isn't covered in the health care plan the insurance company that's administering it for the employer they're just doing what they're told now Ed, we're going to have to we're we're going we're going to have to leave it there. We're up against a, a break. Um, thanks so much for coming on. Good to talk with you. Okay. All right, folks, stick with us. We're coming back on the other side of the break with Brent Kylan talking elections. That's next. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. 
with just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. This is Washington Watch, and I'm Tony Perkins looking for my notes. Good to have you with us on this Tuesday afternoon. Again, two weeks from Election Day, so I want to make sure that you are prepared to go and vote, and we have a really good resource available for you. It's a personalized voter guide. All you need to do is text the word GUIDE, G-U-I-D, to 67742, and you'll get a link. Follow the link, put in your address, and you will get within seconds a personalized voter guide guiding you on the candidates. Okay, so go ahead and do that. Text GUIDE to 67742. Republicans do appear to have some momentum as concerns about inflation, the economy, crime and the border dominate the top concerns for likely voters. Now, I would tell you this. Don't pay attention to the polls. Um, I mean, I think, you know, we watch them, we look at them. But the only thing that really counts is Election Day. So you got to make sure that you vote. Now, one thing I do look at that. is uh, is very helpful in terms of kind of gauging what you think might happen is what's called voter intensity. That's really more important than who's somebody saying, I'm going to vote for candidate A or I'm going to vote for candidate B. What they look at is the intensity. Uh, how enthused is a particular segment of the population? Are they going to vote, you know, say, let's say, uh, I'm using for example, let's say the those voting for Republican candidates, do they have more enthusiasm for their candidates or do the those voting for Democrats have more enthusiasm? And that often is a very strong predictor of who's going to show up and vote at the polls. All right. So I'm going to bring in uh, the vice president of FRC Action, Brent Kylan, who's been doing a lot of digging. Uh, he's got his ear to the rail, uh, listening and watching and out there involved in a number of uh, different races. And uh, he's going to kind of give us the latest on what's happening across America. Brent, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thanks a lot, Tony. Good to be with you again. 
So let's start with how the momentum has changed over the past month. And I and I, I remember telling people people were really concerned because the the the, the polling, the the, the 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 talking heads were saying, oh. The Republicans have lost it uh, after the Dobbs decision. All the momentum was from the the Democrats. They said, look, polls are a snapshot of today. Uh, we were still at that point almost two months away from the election, and anything can change. And, in fact, it has changed. What can you tell us about that? Tony, there have been some really interesting shifts, really interesting trends to see. And and um, it's also um, interesting to watch just kind of when do voters actually typically start really paying attention? You know, that's a, that's an important factor for how accurate the polls are as well. And typically, you know, people aren't really super engaged with this stuff until uh, beginning of September. And then the closer you get to Election Day, the more people are really engaging, really digging down deep to, to decide uh, who they're going to support, who are these candidates, things like that. But as you mentioned, one of the uh, one of the big trends we have seen over the last few weeks is this big uh, shift towards the GOP in a lot of this uh, in a lot of this polling. One of the one of the big indicators um, as we measure that is the the generic ballot. You know, just the ballot where you have a have a Democrat and a Republican, and you just ask a voter who'd you be more likely to to vote for. You don't ask about specific candidates in that poll just gives you kind of a sense uh, on that. And um, the Democrats were actually leading in the generic ballot polling average um, a month ago or so. But ever since that time, it's been swinging towards the GOP. Um, last time I checked, the GOP actually has an advantage there uh, by about three points, which is huge. Um, one of the other trends I think that's interesting, Tony, is the United States Senate. You know, we know how key that is, and it's it's split 50-50 right now, so a swing in just one seat uh, either direction could have, a, could have a profound impact. It really could. Um, Real Clear Politics uh, takes all of these polls and does an average, and they've got something that you can look at now where there's taking these about uh, maybe 10 key U.S. Senate races. There's a, there's a number of them that are looking very close. But they look at the polling, but they also add in, you know, how off was the poll in the last couple of election cycles um, in those same states? And when you look at that, if if the polls are um, as accurate as they were the last couple of cycles, that real clear politics map is actually showing the GOP winning the Senate with 53 U.S. Senate races. So. Like you said, Tony, the thing that really matters at the end of the day is whether or not we get out and vote. You know, these these polls are are really just speculation at this point. But right. if that were to happen in the Senate, that would be a very, very good night for the for the GOP. So let's talk about where we begin to see the shift in the uh, the momentum toward the GOP. Uh, you know, I mentioned at the top of the program the Democrats really thought they had an issue that was a winning, really their winning ticket in this midterm election. And they began to really push the issue. And it was the issue of abortion. Post Dobbs, when Roe v. Wade was overturned by the court and the issue was sent back to the states, they thought they had the Republicans painted as an, as extremists. But the data kind of shows something else. Tell us about it. Yeah, Tony, I mean, you're exactly right. And we've seen this issue, the abortion issue, the life issue, get more attention, you know, that it has in a very, very long time in this post-Roe post environment. And, and just as you said, um, 
progressives and Democrats thought this was going to be kind of that issue that that rallied the base that that won the day for them. But um, we we talked about this trend, you know, uh, shift towards the GOP over the last month. Tony, one of the interesting factors here is when um, when the uh, the United States Senate introduced this pro-life measure. This was introduced by by Senator Graham. I know you've talked to him on the radio about this, but. When he uh, stepped forward and, and some of these senators put that bill, they went to introduce it. There were a lot of experts that said you shouldn't do that. The Republicans should remain silent on this issue, just talk about the economy. And they said if you do, in fact, put specific pro-life legislation like this on the table, it will hurt you at the polls. Well, if you look at the numbers, you know, that was over a month ago. So we've had some time to analyze how did that actually impact public support. And when this current uh, surge for the GOP started that we're seeing now, that actually started just a couple of days after that bill was introduced. So I'm not saying that that bill was the only reason that's causing that, but you know, it looks like it at least helped. And if that, it, it, it at least didn't hurt, like, like a lot of people were saying it was going to. Well, what we saw that happened after the introduction of that bill is prior to that, you had the, really the Democrats, the left defining the life issue, saying the Republicans were extreme, you know, talking about exceptions. And of course you had different measures introduced in different states. But it seemed like after the introduction of that bill that it gave uh, candidates and incumbents a footing on the issue to pivot and then ask the Democrats, all right, we're, you know, we're, we're fine. We, we, this is a starting point starting with the, when the child feels pain, what, what's the point in which you would regulate abortion? And I think we've seen that since then with a number of candidates in high-profile debates put the Democrats on the defensive by saying, you know, where will you draw the line? And it, I think, has shown just how extreme the Democratic Party is on the issue of abortion. Tony, you're exactly right. I, I've been monitoring a lot of these debates in some of these very key, very close contests. And since that was introduced, just like you said, um, I can't think of a single high profile debate where this has not come up. And it uh, it has allowed the uh, the GOP to play offense and say, hey, this is something we stand for. And then, like you said, pivot and, and point to the fact that that um, virtually every Democrat supports uh, abortion up until the moment of birth, which is a, a very extreme position. So, uh, Brent, let's talk uh, a few minutes about some of the resources that are available that FRC Action has for voters. And, of course, we've been talking about uh, elections, you know, nationally, generally speaking. But there are a lot of school board races, a lot of local races that are on the ballot. And, you know, so we need to be informed and engaged at every level. Uh, talk a little bit about some of the resources available. We have several, Tony. If you go to our FRC Action website and click on Voter Resources, or you can just go to uh, frcaction.org slash 2022. Um, these are all assembled there. And some of the things you'll find there, one is the voter guide. Um, as you've mentioned uh, on the program here today, iVoterGuide. It's a great tool. If you if you pull that up, you'll be able to, you'll see a, a search bar there and just enter your address, and it will personalize that voter 
voter guide for you. It covers all of the federal races, and in the the majority of states, it covers the state races as well. And then uh, depending on where you live, it also goes further down the ballot, uh, school board races, some judicial races, even some ballot proposals. So it's a great resource for for you, regardless of where you live at in the country. Some of the other things we have uh, are our uh, party platform comparisons. We have a a video and a a one-pager where you can look at that, and it just takes the party platforms. You know, what do they say themselves on key issues like life, like religious liberty, and and so many others, and it just compares those. And um, we have research showing that parties vote in line with their platform over 80% of the time. So these are actually very significant documents, and these are great things you can share with friends. Uh, You can also find voter registration information there. And then um, if you like... Hard copy voter guides. We actually have those where you can print those, share those with your church or your friends for some of these key U.S. Senate races as well. So lots of good resources for you as you go to the uh, go to the ballot box. Yeah, I just mentioned on the on the uh, party platforms, these uh, platforms, in fact, what the Biden administration has done. You know, we've said, you know, it shouldn't surprise anybody because almost all of it is in their party platform. They're doing exactly what they said they were going to do. And this is a great resource to actually take to uh, to church. Churches can use it. We have a, a video there that actually uh, compares the two party platforms. And that's uh, compliant with C3 organizations because you're not advocating for a candidate. You're just talking about where the uh, the parties stand on those uh, key issues. Now, the, uh, there are, you mentioned uh, ballot proposals. We've got five states that are dealing with the issue of abortion from one side or the other. In fact, uh, we've got California. We've talked about the measure in California that's up uh, that would essentially put abortion into the party platform. Uh, but Michigan is another state uh, that has a ballot proposal on as it pertains to abortion. Uh, t- tell, uh, tell our listeners in Michigan about that one. So Proposal 3 in Michigan, Tony, is a very concerning proposal. Um, it's being, uh, it's being uh, promoted as just protecting uh, women and their right to choose um, because Roe got overturned. In fact, it goes much further than abortion. There's a couple of really key issues with it. It, it enshrines these rights into the Constitution, first of all. But then it not only talks about um, the, the right to abortion, but also other rights such as the right to sterilization. And uh, it doesn't um, it doesn't stipulate that just adults have the right to these. So it could be any person. It says individual. So what it actually does is in 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 addition to probably overturning all of the pro-life laws that Michigan has, including late term abortion and, and things like this, it also significantly undermines parental rights. Um, it's it's very concerning. It's it's very possible once this uh, proposal, if it were to pass, is implemented, that uh, you could have a minor who goes and gets a gender transition without their parents' knowledge or even consent. They, they would also have the right to uh, abortion. 
a minor would without their parents' knowledge or consent. Um, this would impact what parents, uh, what control parents have over what their children are taught, particularly in the area of mm -hmm. sex education, things like that. So, Tony, there's a there's a lot of other things I could hit on that list, but it's a very, very uh, concerning proposal. It's important for people to to be aware of what exactly it would do here. So uh, final question for you on that particular measure, Brent, how is it uh, positioned on the ballot? A vote yes puts it into the Constitution? Right. A vote yes puts it in into the Constitution. So a vote no is what we're encouraging there. All right. Uh, Brent Kylan, always great to uh, to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us. I know you got to get back to work because there's a lot to do in the next two weeks. Appreciate it, Tony. Thank you. All right. Uh, Brent Kylan. Vice President of FRC Action, which is uh, the political arm of the Family Research Council. And to find out more, go to frcaction.org. As he mentioned, lots of uh, resources there for you as a voter. But again, if you want the quick route, simply text the word GUIDE to 67742 to get your own personalized voter guide. I want to go back to something before I run out of time that he mentioned about this uh, proposal in Michigan that attacks parental rights which could possibly give minors access to abortion and even more, even into the transgender surgeries that we were talking about earlier today. We've already seen a couple of cases, one in Ohio and then one just read about uh, today. We haven't gotten all the facts on it uh, out of Indiana, where courts have stepped in and said parents don't have the right to stop their minor children from pursuing uh, these transgender procedures. In fact, We've seen children taken away from their parents because the parents won't go along with it. These are some very significant issues, some very, very uh, important decisions that need to be made. And it's time for us to stand up, quite frankly. It's time to say enough is enough. All right, that's all for today. The Lord willing, we'll be back again tomorrow, and I hope you will as well. Until then, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.